0: Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and this is episode 93. And today we're going to be talking about sharing lives in the places that we are called. Let's do this! Hey, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us again on this conversation. And we are super excited. Now we have Paul Sparks joining us. Paul, you have been someone that has influenced so many of us. And the things that you've been working on, your books, it's just been something that I I think has stretched our imagination about what does it mean to be a people inhabiting a place and being in the neighborhood. New Parish, and so we're so honored that you're here. How are you doing? Good. Delighted to be here with
1: you in
0: Toronto. Yes, Toronto, Toronto, Canada. As always, Bernard Zinia are here. How are you guys doing? Good. Pretty Technically,
2: good. we're in uh, Mississauga, right? Technically,
0: right now. Oh, technicalities oh, foul. Oh man, oh man, the gloves are already off, and you know we're just getting started. It's only because I live in the six. So.
3: <laughs> That's oh, right. okay there.
0: I know, I know. Which is, you know, to be honest, it's a very different context, it Mississauga yeah. than Toronto and the different parts of Toronto and such like that. So Paul, you know, you're joining us, you know, with this conversation and just, you know, tell us, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing right now in this moment?
1: Well, here we are uh, in theory, post-pandemic, sort of, am I right? It's been a crazy, crazy season for me. I live in Tacoma Washington I'm part of a Catholic worker community started by Dorothy Day back in the 30s and 40s and we went through it We have 10 houses with community gardens right in the center of the city and we care for people who are, are living outside and and coming out of our detention center. Mm. And, oh, man, during the pandemic, we had an exodus of our our elders and team members and people that really helped with presence. And we had a massive influx of of people that were really suffering and in transition. Okay. So, yeah, it's been a crazy two years, but I'm alive and I'm well, and (laughs) I still believe the Spirit is working in places. Yes. Does it feel like a restart? Does
0: it feel like, okay, the people that you've been with for many years— have now transitioned and gone to other places, and now you're getting this influx of new people. So are you in the process of figuring this out again in this new makeup?
1: Yes, it's a new season for me, very much so. It's a new season, but I think the one thing that has remained the same is just my my sense that uh, God is about the holistic healing and remembering of the more than human body of neighborhoods, like uh, uh, includes people definitely, and people are definitely at the heart of uh, God's purposes, but also the buildings, the, the, the land, uh, the histories, the stories, there's there something quite profound that God is wanting to be up to in places, and I believe that to this day through all the things. Hmm.
3: For our listeners, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Dorothy Day so that they have some context?
1: Well, Dorothy Day was uh, quite an amazing woman, but she often struggled with institutional church settings, and they often struggled with her because she was she was a bit radical, and uh, had a had a deep sense that uh, our presence with people on the margins, people who had been abandoned by systems and structures and and institutions, and were unseen, un, that they were actually the center of God's heart and the center of what we were to be attending to if not just in order to help someone or to serve someone but in order to be transformed ourselves in order to be formed into you know the the people of Jesus that we actually needed to attune ourselves to those those folks and to see Christ in them through them and through our relationship together quite a profound work and she's you know, there's 125 or more of those communities around the world at this point, And they, they are one of the few sort of intentional communal groups that have been able to sustain, you know, through the 60s and all the communal experiments that, that failed and he, unraveled. And they would say it's because of their intention to be present in everyday life with people on the margins that actually has given them sustaining power and strength and the capacity to, to go through a lot of hardships and still come out on the other side with hopefully, hopefully we're not, we haven't taken more losses than we've gained uh, in our spirits, you know?
3: How did you first get involved with all of this?
1: With Catholic Worker or with the parish work or
3: all of the above? All the above time
1: and whatever else. Yeah,
3: whatever <laughs> else.
1: <laughs> else. Yeah. Well, look, I'm just I'll, I'm going to dive in and say something. First of all, that I want to say, I'm here in your context, and so I, being said, I'm I'm from the U.S. I just want to place myself and say, I'm coming from my unique context, and I'm bound to to horrendously screw up whatever is happening here in your place and your unique situations and so I want to start by just saying I come I come from my place my context and it's unique struggles and so take what's good and toss the rest you know uh-huh. uh, I want to admit that right from the get go it's a lot of humility it's a lot of awareness too well right? it's it's from multiple screw ups okay <laughs> yeah. So so yeah and uh, but I will say that throughout the last 20 years I I've had just an amazing opportunity to to spend time walking neighborhoods spending time in homes small groups church meetings uh, you know I've been to over 1500 neighborhoods in many countries throughout the world at this point on the search for are there places where the body of Christ and i say that in the most generous sort of way is emerging in in neighborhoods in multiple places around the world and are there commonalities what are the differences and i am convinced and i'll just i'll just say this as as my premise that i'm convinced that god longs for humans to we are the kind of species that is meant to learn how to share life and learn how to regenerate life in the places that we're called. Both regenerate human life, grow it in, into a uh, you know hopefully become more mature, more life giving, more shalomic types of characters. But also how we interact with with the the land, the built environment, the resources around us. And so I am searching for can the church awaken to that primal place where we learn how to to become human by fitting together with people who are different than us with the the land that's different than us and learn how to 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 reciprocate together in a way that regenerates the the worlds that we are are placed in
2: mm. that's a very holistic vision and i do think that like sometimes not just churches i think just people in general has such a myopic view and then we just kind of get stuck in the particulars without seeing either the robust beauty of difference. And I think that that picture you're painting is just, I think
1: it's cool. <laughs> Thank you, Bernard. Thank you. When I think about neighborhoods, I imagine, I go back to the garden story, you know, that ancient garden of Eden story. And I imagine a body that was whole, in that very particular place that had a name of rivers and trees that they were called to care for. God didn't say go and care for the entire globe. Didn't say not to be aware, not to, to, to have sensitivity to it, but he called them to a place and there was this wholeness and there was this sense of, of entering into our vocation as gardeners, as, as, as caretakers of, of each other and sharing of gifts and And so when I imagine neighborhoods, I imagine them as meant to be those type of whole bodies uh, and, and that they have become dismembered. They have been unraveled. They have systemically been erased, dispossessed, displaced. We have enmity with those who are different from us. And that the heart of God, the miracle of God, and the whole gospel story and the miracle of Christ is that those who are other, male, female, Jew, Gentile, slave free, you know, black, white, brown, you know, we that we, the miracle of the gospel is that we learn how to remember what has been dismembered. And it will shock it will shock those around us who who would never imagine that we might actually be a familial body in everyday real-life circumstances. What, what's your thoughts? What do you think? How does that uh, hit you? What, what do you? what do you resonate with? What do you say, Paul, you need to do some theological work?
0: <laughs> I think for me, right off the top of that, there is this, this you know, small Chinese man's voice that's screaming out, Amen! <laughs> but there's also, there's that side of it where thinking about, you know, how do we learn to do that? And I think for some, it could be very daunting or scary. It could be very unfamiliar. And perhaps we could even fall back on some of the default of seeing this as just another strategy rather than just being who we are and who we're called to be. And, you know, I reflect when you're Book the New Parish came out like, and that was about eight years ago, right? Eight or nine years ago, and you've probably been sitting and thinking about it for many, many years. That like, that's not what you're going for. That's not you're not like giving the church another just strategy or model. You're trying to give them this new imagination and a new way of living that is inhabiting with people. As I was thinking about you know coming to talk to you today, I was like thinking about your book and other people's books that have been talking about it. How easily it can be just to take it and be like, oh no, this is just another thing we should do just as the institutional church because it feeds back into the institutional church rather than actually, no, maybe God is calling us to something different and this will inform us of how we are organized as, as God's people. And so for you, like, what have some of those conversations been like over the years where, you know, there is that tension of, Wanting pe- like people wanting a new strategy to be like, you know, how do we revitalize the church? But hearing your heart, that's not where you're pushing towards, but you're seeing that the church is a part of that process and part of that story.
1: It's fun to have this conversation with you because being a white guy coming from the U.S. of all places, we have developed extreme expertise at how to— Utilize, capitalize, strategize mm. sure. uh, to to grow our things, uh, but end up uh, end up minimizing. End up every time we develop our our ideals and our strategies, we are unable to see the mystery and the wonder and the possibility uh, that actually is there because we have boxed it in and categorized right. it in order to u- utilize it. Right. It brings up for me a question for, for you all that I, I have been wondering about, struggling with. I think the question has to do with how, does, how do parties that have been susceptible to that, to that, uh, you know, I'll just use words like, you know, domination or, or uh, oppression or uh, dispossession and displacement, how do parties that are susceptible to that, think about what it means to become part of a place without losing themselves to dominant narratives that might be pervasive over that place. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I, I think of, in my context, you know, where you might have a Chinese church that literally clings together, sometimes in order to sustain a way of life that otherwise will be completely susceptible to the dominant narratives, you know? So it, it can sometimes, I, I wrestle with the tension of, of integration versus how do we become present bringing our gifts, our culture, our way of life in a way that actually causes a new and generative and life-giving Jesus narrative to, to grow in a place instead of just absorbing or assimilating into to what might be there currently. Mm. I'm, I'm interested in where you're at with that. I've kind of
2: been wrestling with that, too. Maybe from the, from the perspective of, I think, the dominant narrative always thinks that they are dominant. And I wonder if it begins with a new imagination for the dominant Narrative to, to realize that they're actually not dominant, but they are a narrative within a much larger narrative. And maybe like in Canada, like what we're realizing or specifically in Toronto, that the, the voice of the church isn't really, you know, doesn't really mean much. And I'm, I'm sorry to say this. Um,
3: no, you're not. Speak
1: the truth. <laughs> but I just think like... You may week. need to edit that. No. No, oh, no we're not. It's okay. going live. What's going on? <laughs> it's printed. It's, it's, it's,
0: it's on the air forever on the internet.
2: But I wonder if our posture begins to shift and begin to realize that instead of thinking that we are the dominant voice, but we are a shared voice in a particular neighborhood. And out of that posture, begin to recognize the different intersecting stories that will kind of emerge together. And because, you know, like unless we we scale back and realize that like you you don't own the table. You have a seat at the table. And I think that's that's the shift that I think many of us need to kind of begin to realize. And I say Toronto particularly because I think like we are we are a really secular city. I think secularity is is real and is like pervasive in many ways. Not necessarily completely bad, but that but I think just the realization that our culture has changed.
3: For me, I I think I was saying to John earlier that I've been reading a lot of black American authors this last year and feeling like I've been discipled by them. And so W E B Du Bois's work on double consciousness is really helpful to understand that dominant narrative, but then being true also to who we are and coming back to that place where Jesus is calling us to be um, without being subverted by the oppressor, quote-unquote, or the dominant sort of story. And I think particular to my context, so I pastor a small, tiny church full of people who have left the dominant Asian church and are now figuring out, well, in what ways have we actually inherited the American or the British missionary story and taking that upon ourselves and in what ways were we made in the image of the American or British missionary and say, okay, well, there's those things, but then also these things where faithful Chinese Christians thought about this deeply and then said, well, we're going to pursue something different while recognizing that national forces are another political power or like a power and principality at play. And to be able to say, okay, well, these distinctions are true, these things are true. And now let us allow the spirit to lead us somewhere else. Mm. So that means radically so good. so good. That you know my priorities are different as a small ch- church pastor to be able to say, well, I'm not actually shooting for those numbers. If we're intentionally remaining small, then we have different priorities. It means that we actually and I was saying this to John, but one of my mantras that I've kind of taped on my wall, is to say, if one person is excluded, then no one is included. And to be able to say then, well, if that's true, then where do our priorities lie? And so it's some of that stuff that you were saying about the margins becoming the center.
0: Man, that's so good. It's so good. And, you know, as you're sharing, Xenia, I think even in listening to you, there is this resistance from getting derailed from Thinking about it in terms of numbers, but rather about the priorities, the way of life, the way that community is formed, and thinking deeply about those type of questions. And maybe that is maybe the start of whatever church or whatever body of people is to start thinking about those things and letting those things organize and set a new path forward instead of letting some of those historic or dominant... Narratives continue to direct and make the decision for us, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I, feel a, I feel an intersection even between the, the, the two of you and the things that you were sharing about, uh, in the sense that, that I am hoping that there might be a, an intersectional table at the neighborhood level where people are, are able to ask the question what is the story? that's emerging between us that is unique to to what God and the Spirit is up to in our context uh, versus what has been kind of laid upon us from above in terms of of you know westernization and all all the all the goods and bads that have come with it and is it possible that if you're listening to one another, you listen to the ground that God has called you to, and you're listening for uh, the stories that are emerging and the gifts that are coming from people, that maybe you you will grow a new story collectively that won't be assimilation, won't be just integration into to you know harmful narratives, but it will be something fresh that the Spirit's up to, you know? That's exciting. I hope so. I, I hope so. And I think it's happening in some places, too, yes?
3: Yeah, I think so, too. And I, I think it's really beautiful because this is a vision of limit, limited understandings, right? Like it's, or I should probably rephrase that and say, it's that we're limited human beings. We're finite. And to know that there's something beautiful in that when we live within our limits mm. and to be able to say, well, we're not God. And we're going to choose to not be God. But we're going to choose to be ourselves who are made in the
1: image of God.
3: And to be able to live into that, that vision of the garden.
1: That's so good. It's not a popular uh, one in the U.S. Talking about limits is not our favorite theme, <laughs> but I think I think it's on to something, you know?
3: Mm.
0: It's, it's perhaps one of the ways in which the Spirit is chipping away and just showing us that, hey, there's something bigger, there's something more beautiful out there when we embrace that and where that could lead. Anyways, Paul, thank you so much for your time
1: today. Absolutely. I love the conversation. I appreciate it
0: much. I'm sure we could be here for the next several hours. But, you know, before we leave for our listeners, is there a word or something that you feel your, your heart is just kind of bursting with at this moment just to share with our listeners?
1: I think at the very center of my heart, it has been that the body must become present in a very listening posture to the everyday life of their communities. They must, they must learn how to be awake to what the Spirit is doing in their place instead of coming in with ideologies and scripts and answers to come in to be formed by what God is doing there uh, instead of coming in to bring some kind of uh, a transactional uh, propositions and that sort of thing.
0: Mm. That's a big word. That's a boom Yes, please don't drop Drop that mic. mic, Yeah, Yeah. I was like, I don't have that much money. (laughs) Just (laughs) Please don't destroy my mics. No, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks
1: for having me. Much, much appreciated.
0: And thank you to you, our listeners, for joining our conversation. What did you think about what Paul shared about what does it mean to share life together as a family to the places in which we are called? In what ways are you sensing a picture for how to engage in your neighborhood? You can always reach us by social media, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, or by email, contact.campodcast at gmail.com. That's contact.campodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and your reflections and your experiences as well. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our episodes and share them with others who you might think might benefit from this conversation. That helps us to get this conversation out there and to invite more people into it. Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.